Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. So, more of the similar saga of looking to no avail, although now we're looking more. And now that it's actually getting, you know, realer and realer. <laughs> and realer and realer. The realist. The, we're looking for the realist. Yeah, I can't come up with anything right now. My brain is so fried. All those miles uh, on the road, man. You know, we've, we, we put so many miles on this poor vehicle um, in the past month. That it's just like I, I just watched this video on well, this because I I picked up this old Toyota Tundra for pulling my trailer and it it has uh, three hundred and twenty thousand miles on it and it's still it's great I I found this video on YouTube about the second million mile Tundra so there's been two of them they're both the same year as mine and it's like oh yeah I'm, mine could get there someday I'm thinking and then you got that those aspirations not really you get into this you get into the story of how they do that these guys drive nine thousand miles a month yeah and you're like um can you imagine your butt being in that seat for nine thousand miles times 12 yes (laughs) year after year currently right currently right now yes all right all right you're on trajectory well let's put it in perspective again Everybody's just like, I've heard this story, but, um, <laughs> the story you know, continues the, Not over. yeah, I mean, bought a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee 2021, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, it had 14 miles on it and I am about to hit 14,000 miles wow. on it. Dude, that's all. That's a year. Yeah. Yeah. And six I mean, months. So constantly keep doing the agonizing math in my brain of like how quickly my uh my warranty is going you're, to go you're away a project manager you could spreadsheet the hell out of this come on mm. i expect more oh I, oh no no i i have i've already i've already done the numbers of like if i continue to keep averaging um what i'm averaging right now then i will but the good thing is that i was actually talking to somebody in the office and they were just like well let's put it you know let's put it into perspective that you're doing all of these miles now however once you move you know, you're moving to a walkable community. You're going to be working from home. And if if what you said is true, that your wife is going to be trying to get a you know teaching gig somewhere within that walkable community, we get to park it. Yeah, right. So, so you're saying that you know, balance will be achieved. Balance will be achieved. I don't know when. It'll be offset again by all those all those trips to the the uh, home improvement store, though. Just so you know. Well, <laughs> well, twice a day, three times a day. I'm not saying that it's something that I would be doing walking, but it, it is literally like, you know, 0. 0.4 miles away from, you know, the areas that we're looking is the, the hardware store. So I like it. That's one of the, one of the things on the list of is how far is it to the hardware store? Cause you just know it's going to happen. Oh yeah. To shout out to one of our um, friends and show listeners, uh, you know, Lee, he, I'm not going to use his last name just for, you know, protection sake (laughs) (laughs) although we might be talking about him a couple of times i think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to say who it is yeah okay all right so lee calisti Um, i'm just gonna put it out there you didn't have to say it so yeah blame me 
There you go. Lee, he 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 was the one who gave away your anonymity. Yeah, it was me. Oh. <laughs> but you know, he he was saying that he that as a sole practitioner, he'll he'll teach me the ways of, of working from home. And so I am totally looking. And, and here's the funny thing is I literally keep thinking is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to continue to keep working for the firm that I work for, but it is going to be very much a physical working, you know, like being almost a sole practitioner, at least in body, not in mind, but in body, it will be a sole practitioner. And so some of the things that, you know, we see a lot of our sole practitioner friends do to kind of like break up the day of like getting out and work, you know, working in other places and things like that. We must learn how to cope with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> are, are everything that I had kind of like laid out to my wife is like, look, you know, I understand that this is a hard ask for everybody to kind of like potentially put up with this. But I think one, it would be great for the family in its own right, because, you know, you can walk to shops, you can walk to libraries, you can walk to the water, you can walk wherever you want to walk. But it was it's just this hard push of me trying to like get something that is very selfish. It is so self selfishly motivated right now that I'm like, I will go insane if I have to continue to keep being like in the house work, by myself. Work with myself. Yes, I've <laughs> yeah. the echo chamber type. Yes, I've been doing it for the last <laughs> I've been doing it for the last two years and, and sure. But now you're going back to the office and you do drive a lot. And you pretty before that you were traveling to the job site via lots of plane flights and that might, that might slow down. Well, no, I mean, you know, I'll still be working on the same project. So I'll be flying out of the Detroit, you know, Metro. And, no, you, but you're out of sight. So you're out of their mind. So but, they'll call on you. But I am out of sight and out of mind <laughs> and, and all this other stuff. So, you know, I'm going to have to like, one, keep reminding everybody that I still work there. And two, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> yes, ex- exactly. <laughs> so, so here we were this past weekend again, you know, fourth, fifth straight weekend in a row where we've driven back and forth from uh, Maryland to Michigan. And, you know, my wife's still there, but we just did a couple of like um, tours where she was there in person and I was on FaceTime <laughs> and I swear she will learn one of these days, just like, it's a lot easier for me to see things in landscape rather than portrait mode. It is a little weird, turn right? It, With FaceTime because it. yeah, the orientation of the phone, like, and what it covers up on the screen and what amount of space it, there's all kinds of weird little UI things about that that are just kind of, got. there's a learning curve to it for sure. Oh, no. so she, she and, said yesterday she went and she toured the same houses that she you know actually toured again today more because yesterday was sort of a rush i don't know man sounds kind of desperate <laughs> well t- today she went today she went back um to kind of like digest a little bit more she wanted to look at you know the area like you know one of them's a little bit closer to a main road and so she was just wanted to feel comfortable that if the daughter's out walking the dog and all this other stuff that it's going to be a safe environment and everything else, you know? And so all of these, you know, really That's good. Yeah. Take in it, take know. it all in. So, you know, she kind of whirlwind it yesterday and today she t- took it really slow and her mom was there with her. And so, you know, she had my favorite mother-in-law, you know, with her, um, the only one, of all but, of them. you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, uh, but anyway, so, 
and it was good. And so today, you know, we, we kind of had a little bit more time and, and it's interesting because again, this is, you know, now how we're working, you know, both how we, my wife and I are, are looking for homes, but we, as in the broader architectural community are now working this way. And, it, and it's interesting because the way that we're looking for a home is the way that people are looking for jobs now. And it, and it was so interesting to just kind of like think about that as we're talking about it. It's just like, okay, if I'm walking around, say, a job site and I'm uh, virtually talking with somebody else and I'm trying to convey some information to them and I'm doing it, you know, video, it's, you know, portrait mode, landscape mode, wide angle normal angle or zoom in, you know, and those kind of things. And it was just like, you know, these, are, this is the the way of, this is the new way. <laughs> yeah. You know, I always think you can, you can tell how somebody has only ever used a mobile device as their camera when they hand you their camera and you step back to take a photo of them for them. You know, you're doing a favor, right? You're at the, like me, you're at the bike park or something and somebody wants their photo taken. And it's like, and I, I hold the phone in landscape and they're like, no, no, vertical. Smack in my head. What? Yeah, because because everything is now oriented for the for the vertical picture format. Because I need to post that, right? That's what it's for. So it's funny is that you say that too, because I remember and and so you've been there, and so you know um as I explain this, you you'll know kind of like the view and the setting and everything. So went for a walk out at Great Falls Park in um, that's right on the Potomac River. And it's this big, massive falls and everything else. And so somebody, very same thing. Somebody had asked me, oh, can, you know, would you mind taking a picture? Because I was carrying my camera. So they assumed that I was actually, you know, capable of taking a picture. <laughs> yeah. And so I, they handed me my phone and I turned it and they're like, oh, no, no. You know, can you hold it portrait? I'm like, but don't you want the view as well? I mean, you want you and the false and they're like, Oh yeah. And you're just like, like, I mean, this is a massive view that you're asking me to get into a little portrait frame. Like, you know, so I actually did one at portrait and then I did one in landscape and they looked at both of them and they're like, Oh, thank you for suggesting that. I'm going to give you a little lesson right now. <laughs> yeah called context and we want to see it exactly exactly so so yeah so the saga still continues we're still viewing offering well haven't offered in uh, at least a week you know so um but now we're we've we looked at a couple of homes today we really like them we really you know feel comfortable with the area and everything that the community again it's all about kind of like this community and being able to like you know see what everything else is offered we we feel really good about the two areas. And so we're going to make two more offers today and cross our fingers and see how it goes. Um, one of them, we, you know, we're advised to kind of lowball because they feel like it is $40 a square foot more than the comps in the area. And so there's a lot of houses on the market that are like wishful thinking money, right? People are like, yeah, I'll take, if somebody wants to give me this much, I'll definitely sell it. <laughs> exactly exactly and so we're thinking you know we're thinking okay well if that's if somebody's willing to pay that money then good on them we aren't we like the house and so 
you know, yeah, and that is happening. I, I've been following some people on Twitter who are going through similar, you know, house hunting and being outbid by 500 K above asking in cash. Like what? That's a thing that's in San Francisco. Like, geez, that's insane. Insanity money. Who has insanity money? Not architects. Good luck to. to them. Exactly. I was going to say, you know, good luck on them because I, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, that's, that's uh well, good luck. Break a leg, all the things do that. Yeah. Hope it works out for you. The one, the one fun thing is, is so my, uh, we did this week, not only did we look at homes this weekend, but we also drove basically 1,300 miles for just this one trip, which was uh, us from D.C. to Detroit to Marquette, Michigan, which is where the University of Northern Michigan is, uh, or Northern Michigan University. I always keep getting it backwards. Um, anyway. It's okay. We'll hear about it. Yeah. Email, where, email where, comic. Where my son um, is going to be a incoming freshman next year, uh, or not next year, the in the fall, and um, so <laughs> we were like, you know, um, looking at like the weather reports. I'm like, is it going to be cold there? What do we need to pack? All this other stuff, and I'm like reading something, and it said the um, uh, Marquette is just. Yeah, it's like Marquette is just coming off of a record snowfall of 18 feet this season. I'm like. 18 feet like i was and i actually put it i was just like that's three of my sons standing on top of each other yeah but he doesn't well you know here's here's the thing that just worries me about that this little fool well can't say little fool you know six foot four fool is is that he hates wearing jackets well, it had learn. 18 feet of snow. He'll learn. Yeah. He'll yeah, exactly. Out. I was just like, I was like, just, just do me a favor and just don't be stupid. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, please just wear clothes. He's, he's, he's <laughs> out there. It's, it's 28 degrees and he's wearing a t-shirt, um, you know, this past week and he's just like, well, it's very, just not cold. I'm like, very manly. stay out here for, you know, an hour and see if you feel any different. Wait till the first time he calls you with a, with a, with a. <laughs> With a chill, <laughs> or or wait till you know the nurse the calls me. It's like yeah, okay, which funny enough, uh, not funny enough. Sorry, that's that's the wrong way to phrase that one. But our realtor who's been working with us, which has been just phenomenal, you know, and very patient with us. But she's just like, well, you know, my boyfriend. Just, she was my boyfriend went to Michigan Tech, which is even more north than Northern Michigan is, and. She was just like, yeah, he, he was pretty much the same way. And, you know, he lost portions of his fingers from frostbite. And I'm just like, uh, you don't tell me that because that is the story of my son. You're know, like, oh, you know, I, you know, it's not cold. Like, yes, it is. <laughs> no, I'm going to prove yes, it. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but anyway, he will learn what's the, what's, I wonder what the winter average low temperature is there it's got to be it's got to be in in the many negatives well they were they recorded like i I think a negative 36 this this past winter and and it's it's right on lake superior yeah right so there's nothing stopping that wind exactly nothing like we we were up there this weekend and there was gale force uh wind warnings for lake superior so there were six freighters like moored off of you know, in Lake Superior, right off of uh, uh, Marquette's docks, because they, they they couldn't go any further without you know 
potentially risking their own lives. So they were like, yeah, I don't think we'll do this. <laughs> Probably a good idea. The only thing that really sucked is, is that apparently the um, Northern Lights have been really, really you know, active in Northern Michigan, in the UP, and uh, it was overcast. And so the three days we were there, I didn't get it. You know, I didn't get the opportunity to see any of them. That, that is still a bucket list of mine is to be able to see the Northern Lights. Same, same here. Yeah. It's just, you don't find yourself up North during the winter. I mean, maybe you will now <laughs> you guys can go visit, but he's probably going to be the one who wants to come visit you. Not the other way around when it's actually that cold out. I was going to say, he's probably going to want to come home just so that a, he can defrost and b. um, we can stock him up on food and see he can do his laundry. Right. Cause yeah, he'll only do it a couple times. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like he wears much anyway. So okay. <laughs> it's true. True. So, so speaking of Lee Callisti, he, he had a great comment on our previous episode about how to not be in an office. And just to be, he actually had several comments, but I'm just going to really focus on one, which is his first comment which is, okay, how are people not commenting? And and Lee did listen to the episode right as it came out, it looks like, but there has been silence since then. And, you know, I think I even talked about it during the episode that I felt like this could potentially be or that it would be a potential tipping point for this kind of behavior, which is everywhere, not just by the three panelists on this live stream that Cyark put out and in in what i mean by that is like there's lots of schools that act like this there's lots of firms that act like this there's lots of individuals who act like this and and so i would have thought that others would be sharing that and maybe i'm just not looking in the right places and maybe they're not listeners of this podcast so that's totally also pro- probably the case but there's there's got to be somebody out there who cares about this <laughs> besides Lee and us. And so I appreciate that he he did that to kind of poke the the fire a little bit. And at the same time, I kind of feel like people aren't going to take this opportunity. And what I mean by that is a co- an opportunity for conversation about this. I don't mean as an opportunity to cancel as many people as possible. And like Lee said, he's not for canceling. I'm not for canceling either. But I am for conversation, absolutely, about this. And I feel like the silence is acceptance kind of a mantra is what what it made me think of. And to me, that's really sad because I feel like, like I said, this is an opportunity to have these conversations while it's fresh and for the profession to start to deal with this. And because it needs to be dealt with like it, this honestly is not okay. And I, I do feel like maybe this is a generational thing. The people who have been through it doesn't think it's their problem anymore. Like they've lived this and that was how it was for them, but it isn't like that anymore. But honestly, like the younger generations, the emerging professionals need the advocacy of the older generations Number one, just to recognize that this actually is a problem and it's not just looking through one particular lens of one particular age group or, you know, place in life, station in life. Uh, I think that that's that's a a key important part that isn't being um, voiced that not that I can see. Uh, So 
again, maybe I'm looking in the wrong places. I would love to know where people are looking at this or talking about this, if those exist. Um, but if not, um, why not? Like what, what is the bigger issue here? And if it, if it really is just people unwilling to stand up for this, then I think that's pretty shameful of the profession. Yeah. I can't agree more. I mean, in, you know, I'm not saying just commenting to like, you know, maybe our assessment, but just commenting in general. I mean, there, there should really be people who are, I mean, there is, and we've seen because that, you know, a lot of people who are up in arms about this, but you know, in general, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, people need to be, this needs to be a hot topic that is talked about now and for quite a while down the road. We need to keep talking about it, keep it fresh in our mind. Everybody may want to sweep it under the rug and move on, but that's that's the damaging part of of all of this is sweeping it under the rug and moving on is not going to fix the problem. And if people don't think that this is a problem, that's a big an even bigger problem than just the the comments that were made by just three people. I mean, to this silence is just as bad as the non-silence from those three. You know, I I, I totally agree. And I, 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 one of the things that, that we tweeted about to just kind of get the message out a little bit more is like, this is all about toxic work environments, predatory employment culture, and proliferation of the worst aspects of the architectural profession. I honestly feel that. And, and I think we we gave a few disclaimers, like maybe these people, and I to echo what um, Vitruvius Grind, the, the pseudonymous Twitter account, said in in the write up that that they provided, and I, I think there was a lot of good points in there. Maybe they were just having a bad day, right? I think we we can definitely allow that, but I also think that that this stuff comes out like they say, you know, the jokes are rooted in truth. Right. And, and not that this was a joke, but like, this is rooted in truth. This is rooted in observed behavior that we've all seen before. We've all probably experienced before on one level or another. And I think there's probably many groups within the profession who felt it way worse than other groups within the profession. Right. So any non-white male group of the profession has probably felt it worse um even though all of the panelists were were white not white male right but there's there's definite like pervade this is pervasive and and i would have to think that that some groups people have felt this way worse than 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 a lot of other people and i'm i'm not actually speaking for myself i have not experienced this toxic culture the firms that i grew up in did not do this to me at least um, and I think when there was any kind of weird or egregious behavior, it was called out within that office and, and it was talked about. And I, again, I'm just kind of uh, flummoxed <laughs> that there's, there's just a silence on this. Yeah. I'll say that I did experience this in a couple of different places that I worked, but I personally was a little bit different because, you know, coming into the profession after the military, it was a total don't take any shit kind of attitude uh, on my part where I'm like, okay, you can call me out and you can treat me like crap. If I'm doing a bad job, if I was doing a horrible job, 
Please call me out on it. Please tell me. You know, treat me as a professional, though. Don't treat me like a child and don't, like, embarrass me in front of my coworkers because then it just becomes this horribly toxic environment for me. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures. But you struggle with choosing the systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by an acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to our conversation. I remember one time, because I was covering the, let's just say I was covering the the office's ass for something that not only was I new to the firm, so I didn't know the backstory of it, but because the firm was being called out for some pretty interesting practices, shall we say, I was trying to do my best to be very professional and, and, and protect them without like, you know, just admitting to the fault the faults that they were that the the client and the contractor of this particular episode was but but i but i also wasn't going to lie and you know put myself in a compromising you know position because you know then i'm compromising my morality you know my you know my professionalism for something that one you know because i was new to that firm i had no idea what the backstory was again and so I, you know, I, I was very honest, but I was also very professional and tried to like, you know, keep a good, strong foot for our firm. However, when the, the client did reach out to the, to our, the managing principal, you know, he had, he literally must've been like standing there waiting for me to return to the office after this meeting because he was standing in the middle of the office. And this is an office of 40 people. And Basically, just like almost immediately once I walked in, started laying into me and embarrassing me in front of everybody. And, and so people were like looking at me and with a horrified look, with an absolute horrified look, people were like, you know, just looking at me and they were just like horrified. And, and so, and I'll say to my younger self's credit, I just like looked at everybody. I smirked 
gave him almost like a, a Grinch style like smile. And as he like stormed off to his office, I stormed off right after him. <laughs> and then it walked into his office, closed the door behind him. And I was just like, so let's have a conversation professionally. This is, you know, coming off of me trying to immerse myself into this project. So back to like, you know, these, this obscene, I literally would get into the office at 6 a.m. and I would leave at midnight every single day for the, almost for the 14 months that I worked there. And because it was just, you know, one, we were understaffed, we were overworked, we had a lot of work to do. I, I was, I purposely threw a lot more on myself because I was new to the firm and I was taking it over project management duties for several different projects that were in either, you know, all the way from concept design into CA. In all of these projects that I assumed from, you know, a departing, you know, PM, which I wonder why they departed, were in, you know, different states of array, you know, probably not necessarily because of the PM, but, you know, because of the environment. And, and so, you know, I, I purposely kind of immerse myself a little bit too much in uh, to trying to get myself wrapped around all of these things. But, you know, I should, did I need to work, you know, those long hours? Probably not. Um, did it do damage to, you know, not only my home life, but like my own like health, more my health than my home life. Cause thankfully I've got a, a decently strong home life, but I mean, there's only just so much that your wife can take when, cause it was when we first moved to the DC area, my daughter was six months old. The, the, the boys were, you know, younger, you know, one was in kindergarten, one was in second grade. And so it was there was a lot that I was putting on her shoulders as well. And so, you know, it was just like, I looked at it and I'm like, this kind of, this kind of belief that this is what, you know, he, he didn't even, he didn't tell you that you had to do these hours. It was an unwritten expectation that you would do these hours that. Oh, that's a lot like school, right? Who cares how long you have to work? I'm giving, I'm gracious enough to give you this job. You just do as long as you need to do. And, and so there would be times when he would call me up at like 11 o'clock at night on, you know, the few days that like the one day Sunday that I actually wasn't in the office. And he was just like, you know, are you ready for uh, the meeting tomorrow morning? Like it's Sunday, dude, Sunday night. In fact, you know, move along. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, so I, fell down a rabbit hole so forgive me all but you know it was just like i i've experienced you know some some pretty toxic environments that the mentality of the th- you know these three at you know cyarch is very prevalent within our profession and so back to like what lee was saying is is like why aren't people peak you know speaking up on this why aren't people like yelling out that this is bad because it still does happen i mean one hopes that what 14 years later from, you know, when I, you know, first arrived in this area, because I mean, the, the firm that I had left and came to, well, other than the stint that I was working for myself, you know, it was a small firm. It was a collective that was of like people who were like-minded and also like, you know, really cared about the work that they were doing. And so they, if there was a little bit of extra hours, you know, that they did do, you know, they, they, they recouped that time. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like trying to like drive the nail into your coffin type place to, to work. Whereas, you know, when, when I got here and, and everybody was demanding that you do as many hours as you possibly can, because that's, you know, like, that's what we pay you for. 
but that is the mentality for a lot of the old guard um, that for some reason they believe that that is like, that's the duty that is, it's not even, it's just like your responsibility as an architectural professional is to work that, you know, 12 to 18 hours a day at this job and in eight hours, what's wrong with you? Well, and, and I guess that's my biggest problem with, with this is that it's being ingrained in people during school. Right. And that's what made it worse. Yeah. It's, it's the formational time and, and I get it. Like they're taking advantage of that formational time, formative time to get people into that mindset for the rest of their career. How did, how did that even remotely sound appealing to the students that were listening to this, that are like, Oh, well, that sounds shitty. Sign me up. Well, and I think it was alluded to in one of the, the, questions at the end by that international student who said that she had been tricked into it, right? She felt like she had been tricked into it. And, and I think that that is, this is the unspoken stuff that, that happens to you while you're in school. And most people don't say anything about it. They just go along with it because what are they going to do? Like, and you can see the toxic culture that did exist here was, well, it'll be used against you if you do. I mean, people are like people's uh scholarships were being threatened people's you know just like they're like well you know i mean we could weed you out by you know if you're not gonna give that 110 percent, you don't you know you don't necessarily have to be here you know kind of like mentality and and it was just it i mean (laughs) why as professionals as well as professors are they continuing to perpetuate that the problem in the firm. I mean, they're just, you know, it's just like, well, this is, you know, this was how I was treated. So just be prepared that this is how you should be treated too. And you're just like, no, 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 no. It's, it. this is your opportunity. You literally have the pulpit to change that mentality and to improve that mentality. This was a great point in the Vitruvius Grind post that we linked to, I guess we'll link to it in this one again is that they stated that there aren't any new ideas coming from the faculty when in regards to how to practice architecture there aren't any new ideas when it comes to the architectural education no it's just let's proliferate the way we've always done it right right i mean that old adage that every time you're out on the job site and you're hoping that the contractor is going to maybe do something the way that you drew it and like, ah, that's the way we've been doing it for 50 years. And, and they're literally doing the same thing. It's just like, this is the way that it's always been done. This is the way it will continue to be done and you will like it. Or, you know, e- even when the, the, the conversation was like, well, you don't really have to, you can have a SciArc degree and not really work in architecture. They're saying, well, if you're not strong enough to be in architecture, then, you know, take your degree and go bake cupcakes. Is that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you know, that was a not not a specific suggestion, but I mean, it was like the attitude was is like if you can't hack it, if you can't hack this like boot camp mentality of of the way that Cyarc and and you know these associated firms with Cyarc um, treat you, well, then you are going to have a great. You know, they're not saying leave the profession. They're like, still keep, you know, paying us all of this money for for us to have these, you know, crazy high salaries. However, when you do leave, 
and you can't hack it, do something else. But you'll have that SciArch degree and it'll get you somewhere. So so if if one school or one student body or some professors can't change this, I mean, to me, we, we have to put the magnifying glass on the National Architectural Accrediting Board because they're the ones who are giving this school, you know, bestowing upon them the ability to be a quote unquote accredited program, which then counts towards your degree, licensure, all, all these things. So NCARB is definitely a part of this as well. And how are they not evaluating this cultural aspect of the profession as far as, I mean, they're, they're also responsible for helping this way of, of doing things proliferate. Right. Cause, cause every one of these, you know, national organizations, NCARB, AIA, every one of them are, are talking about how can you improve the um, professional community? How can you improve the workplace? Yet, when you sit back and you listen to these comments of, you know, this uh, perpetuation of yesteryear and and not do not do or say anything about it, you're you're complicit, you're complacent, complicit, complicit. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. And that that ex- I haven't seen a thing from any one of those organizations, NAAB, AIA and CARB. I haven't seen a thing from them. There are schools like that that will do things like that because there will be the, ooh, but it's the prestige of the name of where you're at, you know. Um, And so you're like, well, you know, I'm going to have a degree that's going to say SciArc on it and, you know, think about where that's going to get me. And I'm thinking to myself, and and actually Lee brought up a great point. He's just like, you know, thank goodness for my Kent State uh, degree and, and, you know, the school that was there and, you know, even, you know, gave a good little shout out to Auburn. It's just like, I didn't have that experience. I actually had a pretty nurturing experience. And, you know, then all of the other things that were available to me through my, you know, university degree, actually, in my opinion, gave me an even broader perspective on the profession and all of its associations to other professions you know, with this degree and, and, and I loved my degree. I loved my experience in, at Auburn other than, you know, their decision to go from Macs to PCs. I mean, I can't find any, you know, fault switching religions. What? I mean, right. (laughs) But I mean, other than that, it was just like, I loved my, I loved I'm still in communication with all of my professors that are still with us and, you know, and I'm, and I'm, you know, and it's just because the environment that they created was a mentoring type environment that really made me appreciate and love the profession. And so when you see things like, you know, the, the bully pulpit of, of Cyark and what they're, you know, kind of like espousing that you're just like, wow, wow. You know, just, just somebody needs to stop this. Yeah, and I think like some of the structural issues that this leads to, because it's not to say any school is perfect. They're they're likely likely not. When you think about the state of an FAIA faculty member saying that the only way to have a career in architecture is to have several, I can't remember how many side hustles. You need at least three, maybe five side hustles to make it as an architect. 
And uh, I mean, teaching is one of those, right? I mean, she, she was, she's doing that um, for sure. I mean, and that's, that's the way a lot of these people actually survive because the curriculum at the school. So again, back to the NAAB, it's not teaching people how to run businesses. It's not teaching people how to have successful businesses. It's not even teaching business basics or fundamentals at all. And therefore perpetuating that part of the narrative as well. And we're all cool with that, right? Silence is acceptance. Yes, exactly. Yes. I don't know what else to say about this. I just felt like there was a little bit more that we needed to get into there because I am kind of shocked at the, at the silence of it. And, and again, maybe that's just because this is a small echo chamber. I don't know. I would love to know what the listeners have heard, where the action is happening, if it's happening, are you hearing your leaders talk about it? Are you hearing your supervisors talk about it? Are they guilty of it? Are they supporting it through silence? Like what just, and again, not to cancel people, but to, and you don't even use names then, but just we need to be having these conversations. This needs to be a dialogue. And I do feel like the younger generations are way more on top of that than the older ones, as far as having those online and, and having this network in the community of architecture that exists on Twitter and other places. The only action I've really seen on this is in the Entree Architect community. I know Jeff Eccles has been hosting a couple of Context and Clarity podcasts on this topic, not necessarily about what exactly happened, but the bigger reasons behind this behavior, um, just because that's what we can actually act upon. And again, not to cancel, but to, to evolve into a better practice. And it, you you said something that that's you know pretty spot on is this the students today of of today aren't really standing for it the way that you know we stood you know sort of had to stand for it because we didn't have the context of you know what it's like in other schools and stuff like that we didn't have a globally connected community <laughs> we didn't have live stream consciousness in digital form that. Perva- was pervasive into every aspect of our lives at that time. You know, so like, you know, Auburn students couldn't reach out to SciArc students and, you know, say, oh my gosh, you know, I just saw what, you know, what's going down at your school. I mean, you know, hey, you know, I mean, this is what's going on at our school. And, you know, and having that dialogue between like all of these different, you know, like student organizations, as well as just students themselves, you know, are, are, are more educated and more informed about other you know, other realities within the profession and within, you know, academic community that I'm, I'm so glad for that because it really, you know, so like when I had the, you know, kind of like I just got out of the army. So I had the men, you know, the army take no shit kind of mentality. I mean, I'm glad that that's like the prevalent, you know, thing right now is just don't sit by and like, let it happen to you. You know, like stand up and say something, but with that call of like the students standing up and saying something, they need to actually not just demand like their, you know, like their professors to like acknowledge this, but they need to like say, hey, professionals, is this really the shit that you're, you know, wanting me to come into? Because if so, no, thanks. Right. Exactly. You know, I, totally agree I, I can go make I can go make more money doing this or that, you know, but I did, you know, I, I had a passion for architecture, but if this is what architecture is. No, thanks. Yeah. Spoil. I don't want it. 
Yeah, and I, and I think this is a huge opportunity. I mean, maybe we can end on a good note here. I think this is a huge opportunity for the firms and the schools that do not operate like this to make a point about it and to get their information out there and to get all of the people who would put in a good word for them to activate that group to actually validate it, right? Because that's what, I mean, basically like Yelp, revo- Yelp reviews for architecture degrees. Five stars would recommend. It's like w- would would go back again. I think there's a huge opportunity for those schools because this is what every firm in the in the country is is dealing with attraction and retention of staff, right? Guess what? Schools compete for that too. That's what the programs have to do. They have to compete for people to go. Now, obviously some don't have to compete for that because they have this stature that has been established based on some criteria, right? And and I get it. There's lists of great schools out there and there's probably the usual suspects in the top five every year. And that definitely gives some credibility. And there's also the work that comes out of those schools. And there's also kind of the the mentality of those schools and they have a reputation and this and that. But man, what a huge opportunity. If, if there are schools who could benefit from showing that they are not putting up with that toxic behavior, they're not having uh, this culture that we're talking about here where it's predatory on people's livelihoods on their mental health all of those things wow like that sounds really attractive all of a sudden in a world where we are now hyper aware of those things anyway good talk couldn't agree more hey everybody just tell us what you think and tell the profession what you think too yeah exactly tell them don't be silent the toxic environment needs to go away And if the old guard needs to be pushed out, push them. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. See all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A dot com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and don't forget to share it with your friends. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com, where you can find our entire catalog of shows. Talk to you soon.